You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Giants fans, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View here. The uh, day after the New York Giants made two picks in the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft, selecting Oregon edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau and Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal. I'll be uh, talking here with Mark Schofield in just a minute. But before we get into that, please remember, folks, uh, Subscribe to to our channel here on YouTube if you like our content. If you're listening to uh, to the Valentine's Views podcast, please uh, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, so uh, so so, Mark, how much sleep did you get last night? Um, I stumbled upstairs around three. Um, woke up at seven, so a solid four hours. Um, today's podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at uh, C4. They're, they're <laughs> lemon flavored. Uh, their Starburst lemon flavored C4 is what's going to get me through this day today. And how how much sleep did you get? I, I got a little bit more than you did. I I packed it in. I packed it in somewhere around one o'clock. See. What I, I volunteer to write the second round mock draft each year, which you can't really get started until the first round fully comes to a close because you never know if a team's gonna, you know, slide out of, you know, thirty-four or something like that back into the first round of thirty-two. You know, that was something that could have been possible last night with the Vikings having traded down to thirty-two. You know, there were thoughts that maybe a team comes up for a quarterback. So you can't really get rolling on that. So, you know, we, we make do the best we can. Um, I, I do want to thank you for, for having me on this morning because it gives me an opportunity to step away from UT Chattanooga film, which I didn't <laughs> think I'd be doing on Friday after the first round. But yes. here we are. I'm watching a little Cole Strange and trying to figure out how he's going to fit in New England next year. So, so yeah, that's yeah. I mean, before we get into the Giants, Cole Strange at the tail end of the first round was a strange pick for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. What is, I, I always feel, Ed, like it's the quintessential Belichick pick. I joke all the time that, you know, Patriots fans, we talk ourselves into these designs of like wide receivers, corners or whatever. And Belichick's going to draft like the third string safety from Vanderbilt, who was a, a four-year special teams captain. And that's what he's going to do at the end of the first round after trading down. And he traded down. I knew that trade down was coming. I I I'd called that like a month and a half ago. I said, look, he's going to come up to 21 to try to get ahead of Green Bay. I thought it'd be for a receiver instead it was for a corner. So I knew that trade down was coming. I didn't know that they'd turn in the card with Cole Strange's name on it. That one was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, well, he he, he didn't take my guy Dylan Parham from Memphis, so so it's all good. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. So so let's uh, so let's talk Giants here. Round one, Mark. Are you are you in the the group that uh, that thinks that the Giants hit a home run here with their first two picks? Absolutely. I mean, you you look back at you know way too early mock drafts from you know this time a year ago about you know what we saw happen last night. You look back at the course of articles, scouting reports, profiles, all of that stuff. We're talking about two guys in Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal that for many these were top five players in this class. You know, for many. They had Evan Neal as OT1. For many, they had still had Kayvon Thibodeau as, as edge one, even though we saw Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson obviously go 1-2 in this draft. There were still many, you know, myself included, that looked at Kayvon Thibodeau and said, he's got everything you want right now as a prospect. There are the things he needs to improve upon. Absolutely. But he's still a very good prospect, and if he learns how to counter and things like that, he's going to be a double-digit sack player in the NFL sooner rather than later. And to get that in the first round and to get Evan Neal, a guy that, you could probably plug and play at right tackle. You could play at left tackle. You could play him at guard. It wouldn't surprise me to see him, you know, be able to play center. He's, he's an extremely versatile player. I think it's a fantastic draft for the New York Giants. And, you know, certainly sitting here right now, it looks that way. Obviously, things like draft grades and things like that, you have to wait a year or two to see how it actually pans out. But for where we have the information we have available to us, I, I don't know how Giants fans could be disappointed with this. Absolutely, Mark. And, and, and I can tell you that that they're not, you know, everybody does their instant draft grades and, and, and all of those things. And and the the Neil pick, I think 96 percent of people in our poll gave that an A. And the, the Thibodeau pick, I think. Uh, close to 80 percent gave that an A grade and. You, you might not have seen these, but the Giants had a draft party last night in MetLife Stadium. Right. And I don't know if you saw the videos of the reactions of, of fans in the stadium w- when those picks were announced. And, and, and I can't remember the last time I saw that kind of jubilation from, right. uh, from Giants fans. It, it was uh, – and, and, you know, I, I, I just pulled up the like ridiculously early mock draft I did in, in May of last year. And, you know, ridiculously early mock drafts are worth next to nothing, but it's a good gauge of how we viewed the incoming class, at least before the season got underway. Thibodeau was my first player off the board. Evan Neal was my fourth. And and certainly things changed because, you know, you look at it, and I had Malik Willis at two, and that certainly didn't happen last night. But it's a good barometer of these were two of the top players in this draft class that we thought going into the season. And to get those players at five and seven to address critical needs for the New York Giants. I think it's a tremendous start to Joe Shane's time as general manager. I think it's a great start for Brian Dable, you know, because now you have the opportunity to get your best five in front of Daniel Jones. Now, obviously the work's not done. They've got picks remaining, and we have to see how that plays out. But for the first two picks of this this new era, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And I was impressed by the thought process and the work that the Giants put into it. Obviously, uh, they did – they said they did more work on Kayvon Thibodeau than they did on any other prospect. And they said they probably know him at this point better than any other prospect. We know that that some teams are concerned about his personality. Some teams are concerned about his motor. Some teams are concerned about whether he's more interested in his brand and building his off-field career 
that than he is in in being a great NFL player. Personally, the the more I think about it, I saw Thibodeau's video the other day um, talking about the possibility of playing in New York. The more I think about Thibodeau, the more I think a place like New York with the bright lights and the media attention and Michael Strahan as a mentor, the more I think about it, the more I think it's the perfect place for Kayvon Thibodeau to to maximize what he can be on the field and off the field. You know, I, th- I think it's a fantastic fit for a number of different reasons, like you mentioned. I mean, certainly the, the Michael Strahan mentorship piece, I think, is a nice part of that. And that was fantastic to see when I woke up this morning. I, th- I think this idea that Thibodeau was being downgraded in the eyes of NFL teams because of the idea that he, he wants to build his personal brand, you know, I, I find that curious, to say the least, when you have Aiden Hutchinson out there with a podcast with Pro Football Focus. I mean, these players – this generation of players has realized that yes, there's life after football that you have to prepare for. Now it doesn't mean that you're not going to do the work. It doesn't mean that you're not going to put everything you have into bettering yourself as an athlete and to, you know, mastering your craft as a football player. But we have come to learn over the past 10, 15, 20 years that shelf lives of NFL players, even extremely successful ones are short and you have to prepare for life after football. And I think that's something we should commend. That's something that's admirable. That's something we should be, happy to see rather than use it to to discount somebody in terms of the draft evaluation process but you know i i think for thibodeau it's a fantastic fit for the giants it's a fantastic fit and the thing to remember in a number of picks last night gave us another reminder that we are moving into this too high too deep world where you have to have the ability to get pressure with four you might need to the ability to have the ability and to get pressure with three you know, I, I do think that some of the comments we heard from quarterbacks, Matt Corral, Carson Sharon, and other quarterbacks about what teams were asking them during the interview process at the combine, it was, how did you guys handle drop eight? You watch that AFC championship game, you see Cincinnati shift to a lot of drop eight coverage in the second half and the, the frustration that gave Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. If we're moving not just to a, a too high world, two deep safeties, but to a drop eight world, you better have guys that can win one-on-ones up front. You better be able to get pressure with just three if you're going to do that. And Thibodeau gives the Giants that opportunity to get pressure with four, to get pressure with three. And so, I, again, it's hard to overstate how, how much of a fan I am of this pick. I think it's fantastic for the Giants, and I just can't say enough good things about it. Let's talk about the Evan Neal pick for a minute. There was a lot of uh, of chatter, a lot of speculation in the days leading up to the draft that that the the Giants target on the offensive line was Charles Cross. In the end, we know that 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 turned out to be incorrect. The Giants passed on Cross, who went nine to uh, to Seattle. And I will admit that the more we heard about Charles Cross, the more I thought, well, there there just probably has to be something to that because we kept hearing it and kept hearing it and kept hearing it. But when you when you really sit back and think about it, between Neil Cross and Icky Aquanu, who I loved, you know, as a player, I think he's going to be really, really good in the NFL. Between those three, the easiest plug and play fit 
as a right tackle. The guy who made the most sense for the New York Giants was Evan Neal because you've seen him play right tackle. Uh, Brent Taylor from Roll Bama Roll on the SB Nation Network told me that in his time at Alabama, his best play came at right tackle. It And, and Joe Shane said it was important in studying him that we've seen him play right tackle. So for me, when, you know, in retrospect, you know, this, this was probably the guy we should have expected all along. Yeah. I I mean, I think there's a lot to that. And it's, it's very important. I think to remember that, you know, these aren't individuals in a vacuum on the offensive line. You're talking about getting your best five at all five spots, your best player at all five spots, getting your best five, unit in front of the quarterback and running back. And if you draft somebody like a Charles Cross or an Aquanu who, you know, it, with the design to move them to right tackle, you're moving a player. If you put them at left tackle, now you're moving, you know, your current left tackle, Andrew Thomas, to right tackle. You're moving a player. You, you might have added a very good player, but you've perhaps weakened the unit as a result. The fact that Evan Neal has done it at right tackle, the fact that, you know, you can pull up clips of Evan Neal handle a right tackle in practice against Will Anderson Jr., who might be the first player drafted next year, is important. And then you add the talent to it, the athleticism to it. You look at the fact that you can watch Alabama versus Georgia and pull up clip after clip of Evan Neal against the guy that went first overall last night in Draymond Walker and handling him in pass protection, handling him in run blocking moments. That's as plug as plays as plug as plug and play as it gets on the offensive line. And so to Joe Shane's point about having seen him do it, it's not a projection. You know that he can play right tackle at a very high level. You can put him there without weakening another spot on the offensive line. It again gets you closer to that ideal of having your best five, a cohesive offensive line in front of the quarterback position. I think it's critical. And that's why I think you're right. You know, perhaps this is the parent we should have seen over all along. You know, maybe a Quanu in a vacuum is graded as a better offensive line prospect. Some even had cross graded higher. But I think when you think about what the Giants needed and the idea of getting your best cohesive offensive line on the field, your best five, Neil just makes so much sense. Absolutely. Hey, and uh, obviously, you know, we're on, we're on uh, Friday here. Day two is tonight. And we obviously want to uh, want to get into some discussion about day two. But, Mark, uh, since we always talk quarterbacks, I need to ask you quickly. The Giants declined Daniel Jones' fifth-year option yesterday. Absolutely no surprise for me. I, I tweeted that I, I 100% thought that that was the right decision for the Giants to make. Uh, just – Quickly, your thoughts, your opinion on on the decision not to exercise Jones' fifth-year option. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was largely expected and anticipated. You and I talked about it at the combine. I remember having those discussions about how this is probably the move for the Giants. And, you know, they still have the opportunity, if Jones does perform well, to use the franchise tag and to try to figure out, you know, a, a way to sort of keep him in the fold. And if he doesn't, you know, they'll have to be able to find a replacement whether it's via free agency or the draft next year. It's why, you know, when that news came out Thursday afternoon, there was a thought in the back of my mind that maybe this gives the Giants an opportunity to trade down out of either five or seven if teams want to come up for whatever reason. I thought at the time it might be quarterback, could have been wide receiver given the trades we saw last night. 
and give themselves that future hedge against Daniel Jones, give themselves themselves a, a future first round pick. Ultimately, they didn't do it, and they had two fantastic picks in Thibodeau and Neal. But you know, now it's on Daniel Jones. You know, he has an opportunity to cash in in a big way if he performs to the level that Giants fans are hoping to see from him or have been hoping to see from him for the past year or two. That he has an opportunity to cash in with a franchise tag. He'll have to perform. Having Neil will help. Having the best five in front of him will help. Perhaps a pick or two over the rest of this draft will give him some more weapons to work with, whether they add a receiver sometime on day two or day three or some other talent around the position, maybe a tight end or two. But I think this was a, a move that we largely expected. And anytime you have a new group come in that didn't make you the pick, you know, new general manager, new head coach, yes, they probably say the right things during the interview process and during the the media sessions after the hire and that, yeah, we're going to work with Daniel Jones. We're going to develop Daniel Jones. We want to get the best version of Daniel Jones we can on the field, but ultimately they weren't your choice, you know, and we don't know how Joe Shane had graded Daniel Jones during that draft class. We don't know what Brian Gable thought about, you know, Daniel Jones during that draft class. Maybe they thought he was QB one, maybe they didn't. And so that part of it remains to be seen. It's a bit uncertain, but now it's on Jones. He's going to have to take a step forward if he wants to take advantage of this opportunity and we'll wait to see what happens. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Mark, let's get into day two. But quickly, I need to mention, you know, folks might have seen me... Uh, turn toward my office door here a couple minutes ago. They might be able to hear them in the background, but uh, much to my surprise today, we have uh, we have two of the grandchildren here, and, uh, and I know I can hear them running around in the background. I don't know if you guys can, but uh, that is that is life when you when you do things from home. So uh, when when we get done here, I'm, I'm sure I'll spend some time with them, but uh, but but if you can hear them in the background, uh, that that's what you're what you're uh, what you're listening to. Anyway, anyway, Mark, let's uh, let's talk about day two, and and I have to start with Malik Willis. For you, 
is that the biggest surprise of round one that that nobody took a shot at Malik Willis in, in the first round? It, it is and it isn't. I mean, it, what's interesting, and, and I was on a number of different shows Thursday right before the draft saying that, look, I, th- I think we still see three, maybe even four quarterbacks get into the first round because we spent so much time this pre-draft process thinking, look, the, the league is down on these quarterbacks. Washington trades for Carson Wentz after Chris Ballard sort of tanks his draft stock, his his draft his, his trade stock at the at the combine. Washington turns around and trades for him. You know Pittsburgh, they have a need a quarterback. They sign Mitchell Trubisky. Atlanta, they're picking at eight. They could have anybody in this draft class they wanted theoretically. They signed Marcus Mariota and they pass on quarterbacks at eight. The league was telling us we did not like this quarterback class, and all of us heard that and we talked about it and we said, yeah, the league doesn't like these quarterbacks. But we all sort of thought, or at least I did, that ultimately they would get antsy. They would get nervous and they would be unable to keep their powder dry and they would reach for a quarterback and just say, look, we got to get a guy. It's the old adage. If you don't, if you're not sure if you have the guy or if you don't have the guy, you got to go get the guy. The league said, no, we're, we're going to wait. We don't have these guys graded at a point where even at the end of the first round, we, we talk so often about that idea of that fifth year option at the quarterback position. Well, what did we see instead? Minnesota takes the fifth-year option at 32 on a safety. You know, they could have drafted a quarterback or a team could have traded back in at 34. Teams like Tennessee that maybe were thinking about quarterback teams, you know, like Atlanta at 43 could have come back in for a quarterback. Teams like Seattle with picks at 40 or 41. They didn't. And so the it's surprising in the sense that we all thought, or at least I did, that the NFL was going to – somebody was going to sort of panic. They were going to get itchy. They were going to get antsy and reach on that quarterback and feel that they had to figure it out. They stayed patient. Now, I think we see quarterbacks start to come off the board tonight. We might see it early. I mean, you've got Tennessee at 35. Maybe they address quarterback. You've got Seattle at 40 and 41. Maybe they address quarterback. Atlanta at 43. Even, say, Detroit at 46. Washington at 47. There are spots in the top you know, 10, 12 picks tonight that quarterbacks could come off the board. I think the real surprise will be, Ed, if we're in the, say, 50s and Malik Willis is still available and Desmond Ritter is still available and Sam Howell is still available and we have yet to see quarterback two come off the board. I think that will be the real surprising thing. But I I think ultimately we should have seen this coming. The league told us how they felt about this quarterback class during free agency. And – we saw it at the outset, and we thought, no, 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 they're they're going to do what we expect, and they they didn't do it. And, and so the, I think, the league always lies, Mark. The league always I, and lies. That's just, it. that's just it. You know, free agency, the draft. You know, it, it's the, the classic example of watch what they do, don't listen to what they say. You know, and the league's telling us at the podium, you know, Howie Roseman, this is a good quarterback class. We like there's some good quarterbacks in this class, and we're like. No, 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 no. Look, Washington is going to – Washington did what they did. Teams are talking about Trubisky and Garoppolo. You guys don't like this class. And then we get closer and closer and closer to the draft and we start thinking, no, 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 no. Somebody's going to panic. A couple of teams might panic. You know, you start hearing buzz about Malik Willis at two. You start hearing about four quarterbacks in the first round. Late in the game, we were hearing Sam Howell at the end of the first round to Detroit. It's like, yeah, they're going to do what they always do. They're going to panic. They're going to push these quarterbacks upwards. The league said, no, we're, we're going to stay patient. Pittsburgh – Stayed patient. We had thoughts that maybe they move up to five, to two. Maybe they come up in this big trade to get their quarterback. They stayed at 20 and did it. And so, you know, I, I think it's partly surprising. It's partly unsurprising in a way, given what the league told us. 
Um, now we wait to see where they come off the board. I, I Like I said, I think if we get to, say, Pittsburgh at 52, Green Bay at 53, New England at 54, and these quarterbacks are still on the board, that will truly be surprising to me. All right, let me ask you about Malik Willis and the New York Giants. Our guy, Chris Flum, who you know, is uh, is banging the table for the Giants who have pick number 36, fourth pick in the second round. He's banging the table at this point for the Giants to take Willis. And there was a point in time where I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe the Giants would take a day two quarterback. I don't see it, you know, especially, you know, they, they've got Tyrod Taylor signed for next year. They're committed to Jones for this year. And, and to me, they have other needs. There's a lot of other interesting players there at 36 for them. For me, taking Malik Willis, although it would be intriguing, all it really does is muddy the waters in 2022. Yeah, it, it does sort of muddy the waters. Um, you know, I, I'm of sort of of two minds of it. If you think that the additions of Neil and Thibodeau are going to put you out of the range of a top quarterback next year, and they might, especially now that you don't have that, you know, second first round pick via a trade down this year, then you might want to take advantage of the opportunity to draft a talented quarterback now and give yourself, instead of get, having a hedge for next year in, the, in terms of draft capital, you have the hedge on the roster now with Malik Willis. And if Jones doesn't develop, You've added that quarterback. I mean, you know, the, the, there are some that are of the mind, and we've seen some organizations do this. Green Bay did it a couple of years ago where if you feel like you might be getting to the end of the tenure of the current quarterback, it's better to get a year ahead of that decision rather than if Jones doesn't take that step forward and if you're not convinced next year, this time next year, that Tyrod Taylor is the answer, now you're going to be scrambling to try to figure it out. If you draft Willis at 36, you've now got him on the roster with a year of development and seasoning and maybe you have an opportunity to plug him and play him and see what happens. But there's also the idea that you're drafting a guy at 36 that won't see the field in an ideal world because Daniel Jones gets to where he needs to be, and you're going to be passing on a player that could come in and play. I mean, you look at, you know, we're all anticipating a James Bradbury move because of the financial implications. You might have Andrew Booth Jr. staring you in the face at 36, who is a guy that many, myself included, thought was going to be coming off the board on Thursday night. You know, that's a guy that might be an impact day one starter that you're going to pass on for a guy that, in a best case scenario, doesn't see the field. And so that's sort of the cost benefit analysis. Ultimately, to me, I, I think you draft Booth. I, I think you draft somebody at a position of need. Maybe you like one of the linebackers that's left. Maybe you like N'Kobe Dean. You draft somebody that's going to help you this year, and you hope that Daniel Jones takes that step. Because now having added the two players of five and seven and not giving yourself that future edge, might as well go all in with Jones here and see what happens. Get yourself somebody at 36 that can help this season. Yeah, you kind of uh, you kind of stole my thunder there a little bit, Mark, because I was going to bring up Booth um, as a possibility at 36. Nicobe Dean, linebacker yeah. from Georgia, as a possibility at 36. I I love what both of those players would add to the Giants' offense. Um, you might look at even after the run at, at wide receiver. And I don't have it in front of me. Sky Moore didn't come off the board late in the first round. No, I mean, I in terms of receivers that are still available, like Sky Moore, George Pickens, John Mechie, Christian Watson, Alec Pierce, like those are guys that are still available. And, it, you know, if, if there's 
thoughts about adding a wide receiver, you're certainly going to get a talented player if you decide to pick one of 36. I mean, you look at, I don't think Tampa Bay goes wide receiver at 33. Minnesota might go wide receiver. You know, interestingly enough, the Tennessee Titans, even with the trade, I don't think they go wide receiver because, you know, they added Traylon Burks. So you're probably going to have the best wide receiver left or the second best wide receiver left available at 36. And I've talked about, for example, Alec Pierce being a nice fit. You know, there are guys that you might want to draft later, like Kyle Phillips, for example. You know, you'll have opportunities to address receiver a little bit later if you do want to go defense with Booth or Dean. But there will be a player available that they could draft at 36 that will be an impact player next year, I think. And so that gets us to the idea that do you pass on that for a next year hedge at quarterback? You know, I don't think you do that. I think you draft a player that's going to help this season. Yeah, and the the other issue with the quarterback at 36, unless you're absolutely in love with him, is that um, that you don't get the fifth year option, and you uh, you also uh, you also lose out you, you lose a year of the four years you've got yeah. the kid plus. You've got Tyrod Taylor signed for next year, so maybe you lose half of the second year for the kid as well. So, so yeah, how I, much are you getting out of out of that out of that pick? Yeah, I mean, it, a lot of it probably depends on their internal evaluation of Jones. You know, we we saw an external side, which is they didn't pick up the option, but you know, there's still some flexibility there via the franchise tag to bring him back if he gets to where he needs to be. And you know, I, I think. The fact that they didn't trade out a five or seven, the fact that they didn't add a future hedge makes me think that they have at least some confidence that they can get him where he needs to be. And remember, that was part of the Brian Dable reason. And to begin with, Brian Dable got Josh Allen to where he is right now. That, you know, maybe there's a 35% chance that they can get Jones to where he needs to be. And if that doesn't come true, you've got, like you said, Tyrod Taylor in place where, you know, if things go south with Jones, you've got a starting quarterback for week one in 2023. You know, we sit here right now and we say, oh, but C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to come off the board really early next year. And, you know, if the Giants finish it, you know, 10 and 7, 9 and 8 or something like that, they're not going to be in striking distance in one of these guys. We thought Rattler and Howell were going in the top five this time last year. And see the, the, what flips, the flip it's side changed. of that. Yeah, the flip side of that, Mark, is if, if they go 9 and 8 or 10 and 7, chances are that Daniel Jones has played really well. Or well and enough where you can say, well enough. we're going to put the franchise tag on him because right. that's mm-hmm. what we have to do. Right. And, you know, we haven't, obviously, you know, round two is tonight. Giants have pick at 36. Obviously, they also have two picks in the third round. And you and I did our six-round mock draft, you know, uh, a few days ago. And I think you know, depending on what they do, I mean, third round, there could be linebackers there. There could be backup offensive linemen there. um, There could be tight ends there. So I think the Giants are in a pretty good, are in a pretty good situation tonight. I think so. I mean, like I I sort of talked about earlier, how I, I did that second round mock draft and I had Booth to the Giants at 36. I didn't have a tight end come off the board until Cincinnati at 63, you know, meaning that you're going to have the opportunity, perhaps get any tight end you want sort of at the stop at the start of that third round. 
you know, whether it's Greg Dulcich, whether it's, you know, Jake Ferguson, Kate Auten, Isaiah Likely, you're going to have an opportunity to add an impact player there at the start of the third round at tight end if that's the route you want to go. If you go linebacker or corner here, odds are you're going to see somebody like a Kyle Phillips, you know, a Danny Gray, even Alec Pierce, Romeo Dubs. They might still be there when you're on the clock again in the third round if you want to address wide receiver then. And so the Giants are in a fantastic position. You know, they did a fantastic job on night one. I think we all sort of agree on that. It's interesting to see how they handle these next couple of picks on, on rounds two and three. But they're in a very good position now to add quality players. And that we're getting into what many thought was sort of the meat of this draft. You know, you hear every year, and maybe it's become a cliche at this point, but, oh, the sweet spot of this draft is 30 to 90 or 40 to 80 or something like that. Teams only have 15 first-round grades, but they've got a whole bunch of second- and third-round grades. You're going to get impact players. I think that's definitely true this year, and the Giants are in position to take advantage of that. All right, Mark. Well, we will see what happens tonight. Always, always appreciate uh, a, a few minutes of, of your time. I know that, uh, you know, nobody wants to talk to you these days. You're, you're not busy at all. So you got nothing not busy to do. at all. <laughs> all right. Thanks again for the time, Mark. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.